Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Comeback Sports Podcast. I'm your host, AJ, and this is Season 2, Episode 6. we got a jam-packed build episode as usual. We'll be talking about the NBA trade day line with the Bulls, what are their struggles this season, Andy Dalton being signed to the Bears, March Madness with our final four predictions, along with some changes to the college football players I think would be beneficial. And now for your quote of the week. It's not about how much money you make. The question is, are you educated enough to keep it? So, Brian, what does that quote mean to you? So I like how you chose a Shaq quote. Love a Shaq quote. It's Dr. Shaq now. Dr. Shaq, you're right. Police officer Shaq, Dr. Shaq, basketball great Shaq. But no, to me, um, it's not about how much money you make. It's the question, are you educated enough to keep it? Um, It means two different things for me. One, at least for myself, is anyone can make money. Like money's not that difficult to obtain, keeping it's much more difficult than obtaining it. So it's, I look at myself and it's, what am I doing to uh, grow that money? Because money, we we always talk about, you know, passive income and making money when you sleep outside of your nine to five paycheck. Yeah, I can go ahead and make those paychecks, but if I'm putting those immediately to bills, what am I actually doing? So what am I doing in my own life to grow that money that I do obtain? Um, and then also I think Shaq makes a good point. You know, the question is, are you educated enough to keep it? I don't know if financial education is actually that good in America. I feel Mm -hmm. like we should be teaching kids in elementary, middle school, high school, how to balance a checkbook and how to, you know, manage finances and bank accounts and stuff like that. Um, so the education aspect of financial literacy, um, should probably be improved in America. And I think Shaq, when he says, are you educated enough to keep it? I don't think enough people are educated enough on how to keep it. I 100% agree with you, man. Um, I think this kind of quote came to Shaq because as you, for some of you that don't know, Shaq has a doctorate in education. And what I've learned is that he used to be bad with his money when he first came to NBA and through trials and, and struggles in terms of how to manage it, he learned, he went to school or went back to school for this case. And he just thought, hey, I'm making all this money, but why can't why can't make more money? Don't, why not? I shouldn't be spending it on all these luxury things I don't need. So I, that's kind of this thing saying like, yeah, make money, but just use it right. And if you use it right, eventually you'll learn how to grow it. Yeah, you see that a lot with athletes, right? Athletes they they get to the <laughs> they get to the league and they and they as they say they they get the bag or they they get the check and and then they squander it because they've just gotten so much money and then mm-hmm. next thing you know they're giving some away to friends and to family and before you know it all their money's gone i mean that happened to trent richardson all right yeah trent richardson got his first check when he came to the came to the browns and i think he said within like a year he lost his entire like signing bonus because he just kept giving money to people from his hometown that were asking you know people Damn. putting hands out and stuff like that yeah financial education is huge i think dr shack is uh, is right when it says you know what are you are you educated enough to keep it that's true that's very true. Do you know how big that bonus was, by the way? I mean, it was the third overall pick, and that was 2000 and 2012. No, maybe later, 2013, 2014. So, I mean, it was probably like somewhere between 20 and $26 million signing bonus off his rookie deal, something in that in that, in that that ballpark. Damn. it's a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money to distribute. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those of you who don't know, um, Brian is a good friend of mine. We actually work together um, at our, the digital ad agency that me and Raj worked at. So Brian, um, obviously you know so much about sports. That's why I brought you in this show. So what have you been up to? Um, how are you doing? 
I'm doing well, AJ. I want to say, uh, first off, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm pleasure. excited to be on. Um, like AJ said, uh, my name is Brian. AJ and I work together um, at UTech. I run the Urban Matter Digital Media brand that falls under uh, UTech's purview. Um, so I'm actually, in terms of content creation, this is kind of my wheelhouse. And I have two podcasts of my own through Urban Matter that are up and running um, here. So yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to, uh, I'm excited to be on here, talk a little Chicago sports, talk a little college sports. Um, it's March. So like, this is the greatest, in, in my mind, the greatest sports month in, in the entire calendar year. So I'm excited. Um, in my free time, I've just been watching and studying sports, getting mad at the Bears, getting mad at the Bulls. I'm a Cubs fan, so I'm mad at the Cubs. I'm just mad. <laughs> I'm just mad. And you know what? You guys are going to hear it here today. So. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree with you. March is definitely one of the best time, best month of sports. As you mentioned, you got March Madness, the trade deadline, and it's, yeah, it's the final, it's the last stretch of the NBA. So you have free, kind of... free agency in the NFL, and then mm -hmm. the unsung hero, baseball starts up. And I know that baseball is such a long grind that people tend to care only when the fall comes around and you got the playoffs, but, you know, it's 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 a mark of of a new season in professional sports so there's something to get excited about no matter what exactly so starting with the nba the trade deadline is coming up march 25th what kind of moves do you see the chicago bulls making that's a good question because the bulls are 18 and 21 as of recording this and it's coming off of bad loss against the spurs last night the bulls really are in a position where they can be buyers or they can be sellers um, and depending on who you talk to, I think you'll get a different answer talking to me. I think the bulls should be buyers. Um, reason four is they haven't made the playoffs in four years. They haven't made the playoffs since Jimmy Butler was traded. Um, and they're in a position where the East is it's, it's, it's a reachable conference to make the playoffs and get like a five or a six seed for this bulls team as it's currently constructed. However, if you looking past this year, the Bulls aren't winning a championship this year. And they're probably not winning a championship or contending for a championship for another two or three if they can make the right moves. And I think this offseason or this free agency or trade deadline, sorry, could be that first step to really making some of those moves. They've drafted well the past couple of years. Kobe White, Wendell Carter, Laurie Markkinen. Um, they've got complementary pieces in terms of veterans like Garrett Temple, Thaddeus Young, who have been playing really well. And then obviously you, you have Zach Levine, who is just an absolute superstar at this point. I think the Bulls should be buyers, and I think they should go out and get themselves a, a player in the backcourt that can complement Zach Levine and, and try to put a tandem of two, maybe not superstars, because you're not going to get a tandem of, of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. You're not going to get a LeBron James and Anthony Davis, obviously. But I think you can go out and get a Lonzo Ball or get a Victor Oladipo to, to complement Zach Levine. And, and you don't have two superstars, but you have two all-stars on your team at that point. And I don't think anybody's good enough to make a run in this, in this NBA without two all-stars on their team. And I just don't see that in white or Wendell Carter jr. Or Laurie Markkinen and the bulls have an opportunity to go get one of those, this trade deadline. Oh yeah. Uh, I kind of see an, uh, an opportunity with Minnesota. Uh, they can get like D'Angelo Russell or Anthony Carl, Carl Anthony towns, but it's the, the elf in the room is Laurie is probably 90% 
it's pretty 90 percent certain that certain he's going to be traded yeah he's the most marketable piece to sell he is he's also a restricted free agent so therefore whoever does obtain him has a year of control to where and they can go ahead and work out some sort of of extension or 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 resign him um i think if you're looking at at the what kind of the if you're Arturis Karnaschovas or Mark Eversley, who's the front office, who could make up the front office duo of the Chicago Bulls, I think what you're doing first is you're saying, okay, Zach Levine is off the table. I know that people have have toyed with the idea of Levine gets you the most in return, so maybe Levine is on the block. Zach Levine cannot be on the block. I'm sorry. He's got to be a bull for the rest of his career at this point. <laughs> I mean, he's the, he's the closest thing we have to Derrick Rose. Um that's not a knock against Jimmy Butler. Just Jimmy and Derek were not the same players, but Zach Levine brings more excitement to a game by game basis than, than Jimmy Butler did. And it, that's why I say he's closer to Derek Rose from a front court perspective. You do have a lot of talent. You have two former seven, seventh overall picks in Laurie Markin and Wendell Carter jr. Markin probably gets you the most in return because he's more versatile in today's NBA. He could play outside. He could put the ball on the, on the, on the ground and dribble, uh, to the hoop. He can create his own shot. He can shoot the three, obviously he can rebound. Um, I just don't, I've always said this, him and, and Levine don't fit together on the court. They're too high usage of players. And I'm sorry, Levine deserves more of the ball than, than Markkanen does. So if you could ship off Markkanen and say pair Markkanen with a Thaddeus Young or a Garrett Temple to a team who's looking to make a run in the playoffs, someone like like maybe not Minnesota. Minnesota makes sense because D'Angelo Russell, I think, could be a good option. But if you look at like Golden State, and Golden State maybe want to moves on, maybe wants to move on from Andrew Wiggins, you have an option there. Or if you look towards New Orleans, who New Orleans has very kind of adamantly said that we don't know if this is the makeup of our team. Lonzo Ball is right there on the table, and they've said though that that Lonzo Ball is on you know on the trading block. Brandon Ingram even too, and I think Brandon Ingram could play nicely. Um, next to uh next to zach levine as long as you can also get rid of Otto porter but uh yeah there's options the bulls have options which is something that you we haven't been able to say in the last couple of years um yeah back to the warriors one thing that came to my mind is like bulls lack on the defensive side would making a trade to get like uh draymond green i think that would be a beneficial um beneficial uh, trade probably get away laurie or someone like um porter jr within this um acquisition yeah i th i think um because the Bulls do that, the Bulls struggle defensively. Mm -hmm. They are one of the five worst defensive teams in terms of points per game, I believe it is, if not the worst. Um, Their defense is one of the worst in the NBA. It's bottom half for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's bottom no half. Doubt. And the and the, the the defensive efficiency numbers are bad too. They don't create a lot of turnovers. Um, they're a mediocre rebounding team. Draymond Green, in terms of his age, doesn't make sense. But Draymond Green makes sense in a lot of ways. One because the old story there were the bulls wanted or tom thibodeau wanted to trade or draft draymond green when he was coming out of michigan state but they opted for marquis teague as well mm -hmm. so draymond green has always had like this connection to chicago um it fit more with when tibbs was there but i think the bulls who need to improve defensively draymond can be a facilitator a lot of the ways that thaddeus young has been um when he's played um but I think more so the Bulls do need some sort of veteran presence, but one that maybe carries a little bit more talent than Thaddeus Young, who's clearly maxing out what he can do right now. And it's been awesome. But like how sustainable is Thaddeus Young's run of of 
eight rebounds, seven assist games. Like Draymond Green makes sense. Um, he would fit within the cap. I really like the idea of Victor Oladipo. That also improves your defense. Um, the issue is whether or not Levine and Oladipo can coexist because they both are technically just pure two guards. Um, and Oladipo is a little too small to play a three. Um, but I think Draymond Lonzo and, and Oladipo are probably the first three looks that you have when it comes to acquiring someone right. of bigger name in, 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 at the trade deadline. When you put it in perspective that um, Oladipo and Levine wouldn't mesh well because they're two, it does make more sense that Lonzo would be a good um, a good um, player to have because he's like a pure point guard kind of player. He's not like – he came into the draft. He was like um, a pure shooter, what it seemed like from an, what, announced, what the analysts say. But he – once he actually played, he was always like a pass first kind of guy. So that makes the most sense to me now. Now that you explain a little yeah. bit more about how the two position is kind of filled by Levine. Yeah, because Levine's he's he's not a one trick pony. I mean, Jack Levine has greatly improved his defense. He's greatly improved his passing. But at the end of the day, Zach Levine is a ball in hand scorer. And Lonzo Ball can complement that very well because Lonzo Ball is better playing off the ball. He's a he's got incredible court vision. He's good defensively. Um, and, and if we're being completely honest, Lonzo makes as much sense pairing next to Zach Levine as it does just taking pressure off of Kobe White. Because Kobe White, I think we're starting to realize, is not a pure point guard. He's not a great passer. He doesn't have a huge basketball IQ when it comes to running an offense. He's talented. I love watching him shoot. But Kobe White, I mean, the reason he just got benched by Billy Donovan last week and 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 is now coming off the bench in lieu for Thomas Sadoransky is because Kobe white in the starting five was just not getting it done. And I think the bulls need someone in that backcourt that can get it done next to Levine. Zach Levine's just carrying too much of the load. Yeah. I think what bulls really need is a big man, like a true big man, like someone, someone like um, Andre Drummond or like Al Horford, Al Horford, um, Nikola Vucevic yes, out of Orlando. Mm -hmm. That price tag would probably be way too high, but I mean, he would fit perfectly with Billy Donovan's offense. Um, Drummond. I always had a love hate relationship with Andre Drummond. Like obviously the rebounding numbers don't lie. I mean, he, he's an absolute vacuum, but he, that's like all he can do. Right. I just, the Bulls need it. Like Wendell Carter Jr. Is improving as a rebounder, but again, can't stay on the court because he fouls too much. Laurie Markinen not strong enough sometimes on the defensive end. He's just not very aggressive. He's not. He's very, he's a passive basketball player. And, I mean, that works as a complimentary piece. But if you're going to have him be your number two option on offense, like that's just – it's it just doesn't work. Yeah. So – And just to make sure people know, I am a big Laurie fan. I've said it many times. So. You wore a jersey to the office the other day. Of course. He's, he's my homie. I got to back him up. It was his first day back from his injury. So I just got to hype him up as much as I could. Um, so – with all love and respect, if Laurie, if you're watching this, homie, I believe in you, man. The Bulls may not be the fit for you, but I'll still root for you. I loved the pick. Obviously, that pick came from the Jimmy Butler trade. Yeah. Um, and when we took Markin in, I liked it. I like Laurie Markin as a player. Sometimes good players just don't fit in their first home. It 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 happens. It's you you've seen it time and time again. So exactly. look at Julius Randle. Julius Randle was an all-star this year for the Knicks. Julius Randle couldn't literally hold water when he got drafted by the Lakers. So, like, sometimes that's just how it goes. Look at Lonzo Ball. He's, he was fine with the Lakers, wasn't a number two caliber, overall caliber player, goes to the Pelicans. Lonzo Ball is a top 10 point guard now in the NBA playing with the Pelicans. So, like, it just happens like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, 
we touched on the points allowed for the Bulls, but the biggest thing I think um, kind of bothers me is the turnovers. We um, the Bulls lead um, the league in overall turnovers. Do you have any idea? Is there a certain character? I mean, a character, a certain player, or some sort of play style that's kind of causing this in terms of defense or turnovers? It's the it's not having a true point guard, mm-hmm. which we just alluded to. Exactly, um, Kobe White. Kobe White is a turnover machine mainly because he's just not comfortable being a pass first guy. So when you're when when you're when when you're starting point guard, who you took with the seventh overall pick, that's a lot of draft equity. Like you are relying on that guy to be your point guard of the future, and he just he he's not a pass first guy. He wasn't a pass first guy in North Carolina. He's not going to be a pass first guy now. Like it's it's it stems from the fact that the Bulls don't have a true operator playing the point guard. Um, I love, like I said, love Kobe White. It's just the Bulls, the Bulls, it starts up top. If the Bulls have a point guard who turns and helps turns the ball over less, you're going to run into situations where guys like Markin and and Wendell Carter aren't being doubled down in the post, thus not being great passers themselves, turning it over. Zach Levine, I'm fine with Zach Levine's turnovers just because his job is to be aggressive. And it, being aggressive means you are going to turn the ball over sometimes. That's just that's just how it goes. LeBron James turns the ball over. Mm. It happens. Russell Westbrook turns the ball over like eight times a game. That's just what aggressive players do. And we give Zach Levine a pass for being an aggressive player because that's what the offense needs. Um, the Bulls fix their turnover problems by getting a, a pass-first game operating point guard. Simple as that. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Wow. Never really thought of it that way, honestly. I mean, I thought it was just a mix of like so many players, including Zach, with this being a turnover machine. But when you put it in perspective that he's a ball dominant person, he has more minutes, he has more touches, it's gonna most likely happen. He's gonna turn over the ball. Yeah, to use a to use a football analogy, like we often consider Brett Favre to be the greatest quarterback of all time, or one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time. Brett Favre is the NFL history leader in interceptions. Why? Because he's an aggressive quarterback who threw the ball and took chances. We like that about Brett Favre. He's, he's the gunslinger. gunslinger. Mm-hmm. We love that. But when you do that, you're going to turn the ball over. It's just the name of the game. It, it happens. So not saying that Zach Levine is, is Brett Favre, but I'm saying, you know, <laughs> you, you draw from the same, the same storyline there, wherein you have a guy whose job is to be aggressive. He's going to turn the ball over. I mean, being aggressive is better than being passive. So hundred, especially in today's NBA, exactly. can't be passive. Exactly. So transitioning over to um, another Chicago team, uh, Brian here is one of the one of the biggest Bears fans. Um, personally, I'm a Packers fan. Um, that's just how it is. Um, so Brian, Andy Dalton is expected to sign a one year deal with the Bears. Um, after seeing all the hype about the Bears getting Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, what are your thoughts on this? Um, it's a letdown, and that's that's not Andy Dalton's fault. Andy Dalton's just here. He's a quarterback in the NFL, and he's he's latching on to his next team. Um, I think it's a it's it's par for the course when it comes to the Bears organization, where fans get a little overly optimistic because we expect more out of our front office and team than they're actually like willing or capable of delivering on. So, to me, getting Russell Wilson never made sense. Uh, mainly because I never, I just never bought into the fact that the Seahawks were actually going to trade him. Mm-hmm. The Bears put together a good offer. They put together an offer of three first-round picks, two third-round picks, and two starters. Um, we don't know officially, but I would venture a guess that those two starters were uh, either Khalil Mack or Kyle Fuller with Nick Foles. 
So like, that's not a bad, that's not a bad offer. It's just, that it comes to the end of the day is, is, was Seattle ever willing to trade their greatest player in franchise his, history? And the answer was no. It never wasn't. It, it never, never made any sense. It never did because they don't have the future yet. Exactly. So that would require Seattle to go through a complete rebuild with a head coach who's 70. It just, that doesn't, that math never adds up. So your 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 consolation prize is the Red Rocket. It's Andy <laughs> Dalton. And yes, I understand as a Bears fan, it is a letdown. Um, I, I, I'm here to give Andy Dalton his opportunity. After last year and the couple years before that, like nothing can be as bad as the Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles debacle. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it sucks because obviously the Bears have the, the Bears have had one franchise quarterback literally once, and it was Jay Cutler. So that's like a fringe franchise quarterback in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's more of a testament to the to the front office just not being able to deliver on things that they promise. Yeah. Um, I thought it was disrespectful to fans. Um, so I apologize on their behalf, uh, no, it, but yeah. yeah, you're right. Dalton's a nice guy, great character, good work ethic, but he's just, he he's can't five time pro bowler. It's not like the dude has never done anything in right. the NFL, but like his game does not translate to what's happening now. The new wave of talent is this all quarterbacks yeah. are mobile now. Yeah. And he just doesn't have those skills. His uh, arm skill strength set. has never been that good. So he, he getting the ball down the field, like Nick Foles is a stronger arm. Um, they're both about the same when it comes to accuracy, but he doesn't have, he doesn't have the ability to skate pockets, doesn't have the ability to be mobile, which with the Bears offensive line is pretty necessary. Um, I think if you were going to say the one reason why Trubisky should have been the starter last season is because he at least was able to extend plays with his feet when he needed to. Um, Foles is a statue. Dalton's a little bit more like <laughs> a statue than he is able to, you know, extend stuff. And I think it's very disheartening to know that you're about to go from Nick Foles and that struggle to basically like the same player, just in a different Jersey. Right. Um, so today is Thursday, the um, 18th and Mitchell Trubisky just signed with the bills. And now I kind of think of it. I think this acquisition of Andy Dalton is some sort of like, some sort of trade piece where they could trade one of their quarterbacks away and then use it to move up in the draft to get like either a quarterback of the future or at least an offensive line piece. So I put together my little Bears GM checklist. So okay, go ahead. If home. I were to put if I were to put the put the Ryan Pace hat on, um, first thing I would do is retire. I'm gonna go ahead and just say that up front. <laughs> first thing I would do is retire. I would go find a nice sandy beach in Florida and forget that the last six years of my life ever happened. But I'm with you. What I think is happening now, and I think the, the the Dalton signing is indicative of this, is that Nick Foles is either going to get traded or get released. Why? If he gets released, it frees up about $12 million in cap. If he gets traded, you could package him with some picks, maybe move up trading with a team like I wrote down Denver, um, who has the ninth overall pick. And 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 Philadelphia, who has the sixth overall pick. Now, I don't I don't think Philly's as likely to be a trade partner. They have way too many holes to adjust themselves to 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 trade that sixth overall pick. But Denver at nine kind of makes a lot of sense, and that then puts you in in position to get someone like Trey Lance, or get someone like Zach Wilson from BYU, and then you could draft a quarterback to wherein sits behind Dalton for one year, and then there's your quarterback of the future. 
I think the only way this Dalton signing makes sense is if Foles is out the door now, because you, I don't, don't understand how you can go with Dalton and Foles in your quarterback room after what happened the past three years without having a plan to draft a quarterback in the first round. And at 20, your options are going to be Mac Jones or nothing. And I just don't see Mac Jones being an NFL quarterback. So like, oh. I think the, I, 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 Mac Jones reminds me too much of, of like, honestly, Mac Jones reminds me of Andy Dalton. If we're going to be completely honest with you, <laughs> like Mac Jones is Andy Dalton and drafting Andy Dalton again to back up Andy Dalton is just way too much Andy Dalton. I don't have to back up my boy Mac because I actually um do like him. Um, you're right. He's nothing exceptional. He's not he's not gonna be someone that's gonna be I think a Hall, he's gonna, of, Hall yeah. of Famer, in my opinion. I think but, he, I think he's a career backup. There's he's got a career in the NFL. I just don't see him as being a frontline starter. Well, you're talking about Mac Jones versus all these other quarterbacks. He has very good decision making skills, which will get you very far, believe it or not. Because I've seen plenty of gunslinger in on players like Carson Wentz. Like he makes terrible yeah, decisions. It fizz out. And and he's just he's just not where he was at before. My only gripe with Mac Jones, and we don't got to go too far down with it, is right. is at Alabama, being at a at a program like Alabama, averaging forty eight points a game, most prolific offense in the history of the sport. True. If you actually look at it, what was Mac Jones asked to do there? He was basically just asked not to turn the ball over. True. Right. Um. And yeah, there's some to be said, like he was in a Heisman conversation. Like it's not like Matt Jones isn't a talented quarterback. Like I said, I, he's got a career in the NFL. I just don't know if it's as a frontline starter, because I think when we look at Mac Jones and the numbers he put up, like those are numbers he put up with arguably the greatest receiving core that college football has ever seen. Yeah. Plus a running back who's going to be a starter in the NFL, an offensive line who's got three first round draft picks. Like, don't knock the guy because of what's around him. Obviously, he still had to perform himself. But at the end of the day, when it comes to like learning an offense, executing an offense as what a quarterback is supposed to do, I question how much he was asked to do at Alabama. Therefore, how much of that is going to translate when he has to start doing it at the NFL level? Right. Um, to kind of put in perspective, you're right. He, no doubt, Alabama's offense is one of the greatest offenses I've ever seen in college football. Yeah. Kind of. Think about though he did outplay Bryce Love. Yeah. Uh, is it Bryce Love? Like no. Um, uh, what was his name? Um, Bryce Young, the uh, the other Alabama quarterback. Yeah, and he was an old. He was one of the top recruits. I mean, that kind of has to speak for something. At it least. does. He did outplay him. Um, it was uh, Young. Yeah, it was Young. Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, he was one of the overall top recruits in the country of his recruiting class. So it does speak for something, in my opinion. But you're right. And He's... Paul Tyson, who's Bear Bryant's like grandson. Oh. So if you if you if you beat out Bear Bryant's grandson <laughs> at Alabama for a starting job, like you're you're right, you have to be pretty decent. Maybe a lot of it's due to seniority. Um, maybe Nick just has a favoritism to him because he's been so loyal to the program. Um, but I, I'm rooting for Mac. Um, I don't think he's going to be, as I mentioned, like a Hall of Fame kind of quarterback in his career. He has limited skill sets, but I like his decision making, and I think he'd be an asset for a team. He's got Eli Manning vibes. I'll say that he has got. I mean, he's got Eli Manning vibes, which I'll say Eli Manning vibes on the field. That's a two-time Super Bowl champion. If you give him weapons, Eli can do something. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think the I think the Bears' checklist priority needs to be figuring out what the long-term plan is at quarterback. Obviously, um, I'm I'm sure they're starting to explore ways of, of moving up from 20 into the top 10 for that. Um, but also the wide receiver position and the offensive line position. 
Um, the Allen Robinson contract has to get done or yep. just literally let the dude be a free agent at this point. Like I can't do it anymore, <laughs> but also again, like I just said, this is Thursday. Um, the 18th, supposedly the front office, AKA Nagy and Foles or Nagy and, um, Pace met with Kenny Galladay last night. Oh yeah. I did hear about that as a potential option. So Kenny Galladay, Chicago kid, went to Northern Illinois University. There's an opportunity there maybe as, as either a number two or if the A-Rob thing blows up, which it looks like it might, there's your number one wide receiver. Oh, there you go. Uh, I like Kenny Galladay. Um, he deserves to be away from the Lions as far as possible. Um, who was it um, Who was it uh, that was like dissing on like, uh, what was it, uh, Jared Goff? Like, oh, we got an oh, upgrade. Michael Brockers. <laughs> and then he got... <laughs> And then he got traded to the Lions. Yeah, Michael Brockers, he was talking shit about his old quarterback, Jared Goff, saying that Matthew Stafford's an upgrade. And then literally the next day, the Rams traded him to the Lions, wherein that's where Jared Goff is now. So that's going to be weird. That's going to be very awkward. An awkward um, conversation between them. So let's take a quick break right now. Um, When we get back, we'll be talking about March Madness. So stick around. All right, guys. Now that we're back from the quick break. We actually took a picture, so make sure you check my Instagram for a little fun little picture for our little podcast session. No monkey business. No monkey business. For those of you that can't see, which is everybody, because uh, we didn't videotape today, <laughs> uh, we actually have this giant canvas of a monkey. It's with, like a monkey in thought, in deep thought with headphones on. A monkey just pondering away, listening to a podcast, maybe this podcast. We can only hope so, right? I, I hope so. Or any one of Urban Matters 2 podcasts. There you go. That's urbanmatter.com for those of you who don't know. So, Brian, let's talk about the real stuff. March is all about one thing. One thing only. What is it? The NCAA tournament, AJ. You're so excited about it. I'm so excited because I'm me and my brother-in-law, we do it every year. Um, he has some nice, he has a nice five TV setup in his basement. Mm. And he has spotted cow on tap in his wow. bar. So we always just get together. You are a true Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsinite. Wisconsinite. I never, I, ne- I never even lived there either. I just fell in love with it right when I went to visit Milwaukee one time in um, college. Uh, but anyway, so we're gonna be watching the games, and I hope everyone else will be watching the games because it's been a one-year hiatus due to uh, COVID nineteen in twenty twenty. So Brian, what are your final four predictions, and ultimately the champion? All right, so my final four, I got two one seeds and two three seeds. So it's half chalk and half semi chalk. Um, no crazy, you know, high seeds making deep runs for me this year. Um, but my final four is going to be Gonzaga, Illinois, Texas, and Arkansas. Um, so that would obviously be Gonzaga playing Texas in the final four, Illinois playing Arkansas in the final four. I have Illinois and Texas making the championship, ultimately with the Texas Longhorns being my national champion. Oh, my. I do. <laughs> I um, I I really like this Texas team, AJ. I'm not going to lie. I've been on this Texas team since probably the beginning of January um, when they started to get healthy. Um, and I think I was watching a game uh, when they beat Kansas, and I was just like, this Texas team is, is complete, to say the least. They they defend well they have guys who can get you clutch baskets as times you know getting deep into into the second half they make their free throws they create turnovers they basically have everything that you look for in terms of like a uh, a a checklist on paper for for a a deep run tournament team and then i add in the fact that shaka smart's their head coach who's taken a team to a final four before 
Um, and and it makes sense for me that that Texas the Texas Longhorns are going to make a deep run, and I'm going to go ahead and just ride them all the way to a national championship. Man, homie, your picks are really not that much different than mine. So here are my four picks. I got on Gonzaga, Baylor, Texas, and then Houston. So I like your pick on Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas there for you, AJ. Three I, teams from the state of Texas. I did not notice that till now. Hey, they're good. So it's not even like it's an anomaly. That, that, that Those are three talented basketball teams. Uh, Right. And before I jump into Texas again, my championship team will be, let's see what we got here. I got Gonzaga beating Houston, 90-74. Um, to 74. Nice little uh, non like blue blood power five conference national championship. I think college basketball could use something like that. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was just I'm just going my gut, man. Um, but back to Texas, I did pick Texas over Michigan because I just don't. Michigan's gonna get far, but I just don't see. I don't know. I feel like they've been coming up short real recently, and Texas is hot. They came out from a Big Ten, Big Twelve title game, and as I mentioned, Michigan's at that slump. And not to mention, Michigan's missed one of their top star starters, um, um, Isaiah Livers. So we'll see how that turns out. It's a from. huge loss for them. Um, Texas hasn't lost since February 27th. Um, so, like, they're riding high. They, in terms of, like, it's the, the, their losses are primarily in the Big 12. So, like, they're play, they played very well outside of their conference, which is huge. Obviously, that's what you want to look at when you're when you're kind of – gauging a team that's ready for the tournament like they've beaten oklahoma state who's a who's a five seed this year they got a they won at kansas by 25 points which i know kansas had an up and down year but very few teams have the talent to go into kansas and win let alone win by 25 yeah um they've won at west virginia which is an extremely difficult place to play um i just think texas texas has moxie this year they have a lot of size and they got they got a guard Matt Coleman who can just he he's like Chris Paul in a lot of ways he dishes the rock very nicely doesn't turn the ball over and he can score when you need him to. I like Chris Paul too. Um, just speaking of Oklahoma State, um, I did put him in the mix potentially because Cade Cunningham could be the top five overall pick, no doubt. Honestly, might be the first overall pick. Cade Cunningham is a stud. I do like him. Um, he's a machine. Because uh, I I do. I, I don't put them at Oklahoma State as my final four because college basketball is a little different than NBA. NBA, if you have one all-star or like a really, you know, like a, a generational talent, you can get far. Yeah. But college basketball, it's very team dominant. Yeah. College basketball, it's, it's, there are certain teams in college basketball that are trying to mold towards that NBA model. Um, but predominantly you, it's team basketball, it's controlling pace. Um, and that's usually who you see in the final four on the final weekend of, of, of the NCAA tournament is those teams who can control pace, who can rebound soundly and who, uh, who don't turn the ball over. Yeah, I agree. And also defense is real heavy in college mm -hmm. basketball, which is why I put Houston yep. as my final four, because they're just defensive powerhouse team. They really are. Um, sure. The competition may not be as fierce compared to the other um, three in the final four, but the consistency is important. Illinois was a good pick in my opinion for the Midwest. But I just seen too many close games, especially against Wisco. I mean, Wisco has kind of been a disappointment, in my opinion. They haven't really solidified a really strong resume in terms of their wins. I mean, they can't beat Iowa or any of these big powerhouse teams like like Michigan. So yeah, yeah that's why I put Houston is in my in my mix. No, least. I like I like Houston. I have I have Illinois beating Houston in my elite eight. So it's not like I I 
I like both teams and it's a matchup that if it gets to that elite eight with that matchup, it's going to be, it's going to be a slugfest game. Um, there's, uh, I, I, Illinois, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on them. I'm from Illinois, I'm from <laughs> Chicago, but I, I'm certainly no Illini fan, um, by any means, but I mean, I watched that team and like Io DeSumo is an absolute stud. Um, Kofi Coburn down low is a truck. Yeah. Like Illinois is good because Ayo DeSumo is probably the Naismith player of the year this year. And then if you take him away, it's like you said with Cade Cunningham, it's team, team dominant. So you take Cade Cunningham away and Oklahoma state's likely to struggle. You take AO away from Illinois and they can still hum because they still have so much talent around him that they're also very well coached in Brad Underwood, who has tournament pedigree himself when he was at um, Stephen F. Austin, they made uh they made a couple upsets during his uh during his tenure there. So like Illinois has a lot of the pieces you're looking for. They are streaky, like you said. They they do play to a lot of close games, especially when they don't need to. I think a good example of that is the tournament, um, the Big Ten final, where they probably should have put Illinois away with about five minutes left in the second half, and and it ended up going to overtime. Oh, I mean Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. I did watch that one. Um, so Illinois is certainly not the a perfect team. Um, I think Gonzaga in a lot of ways is a perfect team. They're perfectly built for a national championship run. But then again, it is Gonzaga and we have seen time and time again, they get a one seed and they end up fizzling out in the sweet 16. So yeah, that's certainly a possibility too. Yeah. Gonzaga is the best team in college basketball, plain and simply. You can't overthink it. They are. It's, um, it's not close. They're, they're, gonna, they're probably gonna have an undefeated season for the first time since I think the 1975, 76 Indiana Hoosiers. Their path right. is that pretty, sounds right, yeah. Yeah, their path is pretty easy, too, in my opinion. There's only one team I would be concerned about. It's Bill Self and the Kansas Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, that that's a program that even in down years, like, or mediocre years, I guess Kansas never really has a down year. Um, they're always dangerous when it comes to March. You have to remember, Kansas kind of had a down year this year because that's when he canceled games due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And did you know that Bill Self, since going to Kansas, he's been to 17 tournament appearances, and 10 of the 17, he's gone to the Sweet 16. Yeah, that's, that, that's a pretty good that resume. Is, that's an incredible resume. And and they have they have a national championship, obviously. Um, the infamous Mario Chalmers year um, against Derrick Rose's Memphis team. But, like, yeah, Bill Self in the tournament is someone you don't write off. Um, I saw some people having them, you know, being second-round exits or, or, <laughs> or whatnot. And I have, I have them facing off against Iowa – in the sweet 16. Um, I think that's going to be an extremely high scoring affair. Oh, yeah. Um, I have Iowa narrowly winning that game in my bracket. Um, but again, it's just like we said with, with Illinois and Houston, if it gets to that, it's going to be anyone's game. Cause I think both teams are, are capable of putting on a show and, and advancing. Um, did you have Kansas beating Iowa? No, I have Iowa beating Kansas. Okay. Um, same reason why I like, um, same reason why I like a team like, like Texas is because when times, when you get to a point in the game where you need a bucket or you need to rely on one guy, way Texas can rely on Coleman, Iowa can go ahead and, and rely on, on Luca Garza. Um, and I think in the NCAA tournament, when you're, you know, you have three minutes on the clock and it's a two point game, like you need that guy. And Iowa has that guy in that moment. Um, but if Iowa and Kansas play, it's going to be a, a one basket, one possession game. It's going to be probably one of the better games of the tournament. Yeah, um, I agree with you on that. I did have Kansas beating Iowa. It was a real tough call, honestly. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a coin flip. 
Right. I kind of went my gut because um, Ryan, you may know, I'm, I went to Iowa State. So I just grew up hating Iowa. <laughs> so I just That's like, understandable. I'll, I'll go with my heart. I'll go with my gut. I, I like Luka Garza. He's definitely a powerhouse um, player. Um, probably the best player. He'd probably win AP Player of the Year. I think he already – no, he didn't win. No, it. he hasn't won yet. He's, in the, he's, won in, yet. he's in the final. He's one of the finalists for it, though. I think he'll win it. Um, he's just put on a show. Um, we'll just see what happens. I, uh, Kind of uh, transition to Baylor. You didn't put Baylor in your final four, did you? Oh, I did not. I have Baylor in my Elite Eight. Um, I do have Baylor in my Elite Eight. Um, but I, I don't like how Baylor finished the season. Baylor finished the season kind of sputtering. Lost to Oklahoma State in the uh, Big Ten tournament. Um, I believe they had a loss the last week of the regular season too. Or sorry, Big 12 tournament, not Big Ten tournament. Um, they lost to uh, to Oklahoma State in the in the Big 12 tournament. They lost by by double digits. The game before in the Big 12 tournament, they played it. They played a, a Kansas State team who earlier lost to a team that was like Prairie View A&T or something like that. And they lost at, at Kansas State, but now Baylor only beats them by four points at home. I just, Baylor, the last kind of two weeks of the season has been just so inconsistent. Beating teams that they should beat by double digits by one basket, giving up 90 points to West Virginia. They lost to Oklahoma State. They lost to Kansas. I just I don't know if I like the way Baylor's trending right now. Obviously, they're going to win their first weekend. If they do, they got North Carolina and Wisconsin, the winner of that coming next. I don't think Carolina and Wisconsin this year have the firepower to beat Baylor. If they do that, then I'm pretty sure they get a, a either a Purdue or a Villanova team, both of which who are good, but Villanova's without their best player, Connor Gillespie. Oh, shit, I did not know that. <laughs> torn MCL, he's going to miss the tournament. Oh, shoot. And then and then Purdue, Purdue's big, but Purdue sometimes goes through these stretches where they go like six minutes without making a basket. So, like, I think Baylor's road to the Elite Eight is really good, but then if they get to the Elite Eight and they got to play, in my opinion, I think it's going to be Arkansas. A lot of people think it'll be Ohio State. West Virginia's also there. I think that that's where, or not West Virginia, whoever the three seed is in that, um, the three seed is in that region. Uh, the South? Yeah. Uh, the three seed is Arkansas. It's Arkansas. And who's the sixth seed in that, in that region? Oh, Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Um, so another Big 12 team. Texas Tech, obviously, the last time we played an NCAA tournament, Texas Tech was in the national championship. Um, Texas Tech's still a, ta- still a talented team. Um, I think the bottom half of that region is where Baylor gets some trouble. And I think that Arkansas, just with their style of pay, play and pace of play, get, get, can give Baylor some trouble. And I think that's where they, they slip up at. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's that's some pretty good thoughts. Uh, just to kind of pay homage to uh, Brian's um, school, Mizzou's playing Oklahoma. Um, and there, those are Mizzou's nine, Oklahoma's eight. What was your pick on that? Obviously Mizzou. Um, <laughs> and it was Mizzou beforehand just because I'm not going to pick against my team. Um, and it, I, I believe Oklahoma was slightly favored. But since the bracket came out, Oklahoma's, I think it's their second-plus player, a guy named um, Davion Harmon. Davion Harmon's going to miss the game because of COVID. Um, so – Oklahoma streaky streaky team in their own right. Mizzou, don't get me wrong. Mizzou is not a great basketball team. Um, 
I, I have them winning against Oklahoma, but then I have them losing by at least 35 points to Gonzaga in the next round. Um, I did put Mizzou to win that matchup. AJ, if Iowa State was in the tournament, I would have put them too. So, <laughs> you know how many wins Iowa State has? Seven. How bad were you guys this year? Try again. One more guess. Higher or lower? Lower. Really? Five? Two. You guys won two games this year? Two games. No conference wins. <laughs> they did fire the Steve head coach. Steve Prom got fired, didn't oh, he? Oh, he got fired. Um, they. Do you want Fred Hoiberg back? He's going to have to get fired by Nebraska. I don't know, man. I don't want to. Re- I don't want to rekindle the past that much. But yeah, I hear that. Apparently, um, the old Iowa State assistant is going to be the head coach. Okay. Uh, Matthew Th- Matt Thomas, who I actually had uh, a class with him once. Nice, nice guy. Um, he was just saying hyping him up, and you know he's an NBA player. He's worked with them, so he he's been giving some good props. So hopefully, he can help turn that program around. Absolutely. I'm expecting three wins this year. All right. Hey, it's an improvement over two. Uh, baby steps, right? Baby steps. It's all about progression, just like the Bulls. They mm-hmm. have a progression. So, Brian, um, we will probably have to meet up again on March Madness, uh, maybe before or after the Final Four. Yeah. But like, I like see. Well, I love March Madness, but you know, what I love more. I also like. I also love college football. Yeah. And there's been these people. There's been people saying, "Oh, they need to extend the college football playoffs." Do you agree they should do something where they make it into a, a bracket format? Um, let's say like a 16 team uh, playoff or, um, playoff bracket. We'll call it a Dream December. I don't know if I agree with 16. It is a little bit. Of a I do think eight is necessary though. Okay, I like eight. I think eight. I think there needs to be an up from from four to eight, um, and I think there needs to be a little bit more inclusivity to some of these non-power five conference schools. Um, I think you could have made a comp, uh, an argument for Cincinnati getting a spot this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Coastal Carolina, however you feel. There was the year when UCF, Central Florida was undefeated. Oh, yeah. Um, I just think – and then UCF went ahead and beat Auburn in their bowl game. So, like, I, I think there needs to be a system. I don't know if I have the answer to it, but I do think there needs to be an eight-team playoff um, wherein you do have – like the five power conference schools, if you win that championship, you you get an auto bid and then two at larges. And then somehow you get non non power five schools, like someone from the mountain West. If they like, a, like when think about how many opportunities Boise state should have had in, in the, in the end of the two thousands, early 2010s. That's true. Um, just giving those schools more opportunities to get in. I mean, if you think about it, um, I went ahead and take, took a look at this before hopping on. 28 bids have been awarded to the college football playoff in the seven years that it's been active now. 22 of those 28 bids have gone to the same five schools. Hmm. I believe that 100%. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, like, we 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 started this playoff system in order to give other schools more of an opportunity to do it, and clearly it's not working. Mm-mm. So... I'm not a huge fan of the four. I like the college football playoff. I'm not a huge fan of it at four. I think eight is the right number. Um, 16 is probably a little too much, especially because of scheduling and money concerns, um, television rights, so on and so forth. Um, I think you meet at eight, and I think you make eight work, and that's 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 the magic elixir. Yeah, if you do eight, I definitely wouldn't want to give Power Fight Champions an automatic bid. Uh, that's just that's still going to be the same matchups you're going to see year over year. They probably should still continue to do with the final projection rank, the final rankings that they normally do. Um, Power five championship bids, that would make sense with the 16, 16 um, 
uh, tournament. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's been the same four or five teams every year. And a lot of it has to do with just, it's a cycle. If you win a championship, you get high recruit. You get high recruit, you win another championship. It yeah. just keeps going and going. And those schools are never going to not get high recruits. Name recognition alone puts Bama, Clemson, Ohio State above the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is a vicious cycle. It's kind of the way of the, it's the landscape of college sports. Um, but like, I have a hard time believing that like, if you gave a team like an eight seed, an opportunity in a playoff matchup to play in Alabama, that that team minus, they might lose, but it's more entertaining than watching Alabama throw Notre Dame around for 40. That's like, true. You know what I'm saying? Like watching Alabama play Notre Dame this year in, in the semifinal, like that was, it was brutal. <laughs> that was so freaking boring. I feel bad for Ian Brooke. <laughs> oh, sorry, Clemson against Notre Dame, not, oh, not Bama. Clemson oh, you're right. It was, Clemson. it was Clemson. I mean, Bama thrashed Ohio State. So, uh, actually, yeah, that was, uh, I knew right there, like, yeah, this is the best offensive team I've ever seen. Yeah, it was bad. Um, but back to like these um, smaller schools that, like, exa- example, uh, Cincinnati not making it into the playoffs. Like, did they win their bowl game against Georgia? Um, let me double check on that. While I have it right here. Um, I want to say Georgia still won. Okay. But I believe it was a close game. And then the – Yeah, other- Georgia won 24-21. And then the other school, who was it? Uh, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina. Did they win their bowl game too? Um. Coastal Carolina went ahead and they lost their bowl game to Liberty. So they did a mid-major bowl between those two. Liberty obviously was they were ten, they both were ten and one entering the uh, the season or entered in the bowl season. Right. Um, 37-34 game between Liberty and uh, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, um, I think that's like games like these is probably what gets people like, hey, don't get these small schools in. Look what happens when you put them against big schools and like. I, I think that was just a one-off thing. I think there's still plenty of these small schools that can compete mm-hmm. with these Power 5 champions. I just think last year was a bad example. But, yeah, expand, expand it 100% on, dude, because it just I think it's just more opportunity for money, and it just gives everybody a chance and kind of I, – I feel like teams will probably play a little more aggressively because, like, okay, we have, a, we have a higher chance of getting into the playoffs. There's a little more sense of urgency. Every game matters now. Yeah. I want to go ahead and correct myself real quick. Bama did thrash Notre Dame. Ohio State beat Clemson. That's what happened. Went ahead and messed that up myself. Oh, so that's what that's yeah. right. Bama, Bama thrashed Notre Dame, um, and then Ohio State beat Clemson, and then um, Bama thrashed Ohio State in the national championship. I gotcha. Um, okay. I was thinking on the fly. Obviously, I was I was a little removed from college football's last season. I'm now on to college basketball, but there we are to uh to make sure we don't cheat the cheat the, <laughs> cheat the listeners out of bad information that's all right it all it happens um but like kind of going off topic uh so now that like trevor lawrence and justin fields like the, the big names of college football are gone who's gonna be the next wave of quarterbacks that's gonna be the, the spotlight for college football i like wilson who's coming out of byu like there are there are smaller quarterbacks coming out as well but guys who are in line next year to like just take the next step give me give me spencer rattler yeah I like give him. me spencer rattler at oklahoma um i think he's probably going to be the odds-on favorite um to win 
the Heisman Trophy next season. Um, but I think Spencer Rattler has has what it takes. Six one, like two hundred and ten pound quarterback can move, can throw. Yeah. Um, not to mention he's in an offense that's just designed to make him a superstar. He kind of reminds you, like how he looks, like his appearance kind of reminds you, like a a discount version of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, they do. They they do kind of look like they both have they have the same like little swagger. They 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 have a, they have a lot of swagger in the pocket. The same way they move, the same. Mm-hmm. Um, both have you know they got both got cannon arms. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we know Patrick Mahomes has as a cannon arm. Um, how about your boy? How about your boy Graham Mertz? Graham Mertz, fuck. Ah, man, Graham Mertz has been just a tease. I'm sorry. Like, I want to – he came in first game of the season hot, hot as can be. Man, he had such a great opener against Illinois. I'm sure it's Illinois. Yeah. But then it just got worse and worse and worse. And then they eventually benched him for some other no-name guy. I, I He has the potential. He has the arm talent. Patrick Mahomes has even gave him some praise. But I want to I want to put on him and I also want to put it on coaching – it seems like every year we never get that next Russell Wilson type Wisconsin quarterback. And I, but I do want to give some props to my man, Brock Purdy from Iowa state. Cause like, he's been kind of like all over the place. And I think he's finally starting to build that consistency that people are looking for. Yeah. I like Purdy as a, a draft prospect in 2022. Um, I think Purdy's got talent. Um, other guys, I think fit that bill. I mean, people, a lot of people like Sam Howell out of North Carolina, um, and then Keaton Slovis at USC. Um, they both have tools, and I think both can lead their teams to to some success in, in 2021. But I actually like the fact I like the Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy um, kind of name drop there. Brock Purdy's got a lot of talent. Just kind of sometimes, yeah. At did. Iowa State, doesn't make you the most <laughs> coveted coveted person in the world. Being an Iowa State fan, you just get used to the unexpected. But just to kind of add on to like who's the next the next guys to be the star of, of college football, um, I'd like to give um, yeah Sam Howell is one of them. Jaden uh, Daniels from Arizona State, dude. I watched him play freshman year. This scrawny kid, 160 pounds, five six foot two. It was like almost like I was on the football field. That's that's what that would be me. And he pretty much blew Oregon with Justin Herbert out of the waters with and had a cannon for an arm. Uh, so I want I put him in the conversation of being that guy that's going to step up and show some numbers this year. Yeah, I like that a lot. Derek King at my uh, Miami is another good option. I like watching. Um, if we're going off of of um, you know guys who you think might compete for the Heisman next season, um, I, I think you got to throw Trevor Lawrence's replacement in there. Oh, DJ um, DJ uh, Ugalele Uagalele or or what uh, however you uh, pronounce it, and then um, I mean. I know he's not a quarterback, but what about your your guy Brees Hall? Hey, Brees Hall's a good dude. I mean, he's he's a bad he's a bad dude. He can put some numbers up. I mean, I liked him. Uh, he I have a nickname for him. He's Brees Hall, the Hall Monitor. I like that. I mean, that guy breaks tackles. You can't get past him unless you have your Hall pass. Yep. Dude. These guys don't have their Hall passes. They don't have their Hall passes. I like that. Um, I'm gonna rank my top three quarterbacks for 2021 in college football. Give me Spencer Rattler number one. Um, go ahead and give me uh, give me Brock Purdy number two. And then I'll go ahead and throw the, the one I haven't mentioned yet, but Georgia's quarterback, JT Daniels. I'll, uh, oh, I'll, I'll throw JT Daniels in their number three. Um, that That's probably where where my quarterback love lies in uh, heading into the next you know, college football season. Hey, I'll go with that. I agree with it. Beautiful. Well, Brian, that's really all I have for today. I mean, shoot, thanks for, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me on. I, I, I obviously love any opportunity to talk about uh, not only – 
college sports, both basketball and football. Um, and, and you give me a microphone to talk about my bears and my bulls, whether it be positive or negative, I'm going to take that. So I really appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, we're about to do this again. I like to have my guests come back. Um, I'm sure we'll be in contact since we literally are 30 feet from each other. I can see you from my desk every time I sit down. Same. So, um, so I'll have that thought in my mind. Like, God, I gotta make sure Brian. Gotta make sure that guy gets back on the podcast. Oh, it's like, like, God, I hope Brian is asking me about that collab again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I like it. I like the idea of uh, doing a little uh, return trip before or after the final four to kind of get a litmus test of, uh, of how our picks did. Right. And just to remind everybody, this was recorded on Thursday, the 18th of March. So if you're watching this and it's like Tuesday and like, oh, these guys suck. They're wrong about this and that. Just remember, these are our early predictions. Yeah. Tournament hasn't technically started yet. (laughs) There you go. It hasn't started yet. Um, Since this is an audio, man, I can definitely get this out pretty quick, too. So maybe before the weekend. Who knows? I have some free time. I can work something. Hey, I just can't wait for my debut, man. That's all. All right. All right, guys. Um, thanks again for listening. Um, make sure to like and subscribe to my channel on YouTube or Spotify. Uh, thank you again, Brian. And as always, have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you soon.